Our reading is from the book of Ezra, chapter 7, verse 10. For Ezra had prepared his heart, had prepared his heart to seek the law of the Lord and to do it and to teach statutes and ordinances in Israel. Please be seated. I hope it is this evening that you find yourself in possession of one of these handouts. If not, they're located back on that silver uh, podium in the back. Uh, this will be the handout as you and I are tracing that scarlet thread of redemption through the Bible, uh, seeing how all these books fit together. This is the outline for the book of Ezra. The key word and the key function in Ezra is to restore. Ezra... Nehemiah, Esther, Haggai, Zechariah, and Malachi. Those are all after Israel comes back from captivity. Ezra and Nehemiah are sent back as officials uh, to make sure that the wall is built and to make sure temple worship is reestablished in its proper way. Uh, Haggai, nope. Haggai, Zechariah, Malachi. Those are the three. Haggai, Zechariah, Malachi are the prophets of the day. And so those men and women worked exclusively together to help Israel get back in line. And what we'll find out is that in between about chapter 6 and 7 of the book of Ezra, you can uh, really rest the entire book of, Ezra, of Esther right there. She stays in captivity. Hmm. Let me ask you a question just for you to chew on and to think about. If God's leading His children back to Jerusalem, is it okay that some stay? It will be. It will be okay that, es that Esther stays in a foreign land. As a matter of fact, as they do that, the fingers of the nation of Israel and the fingers of the worship of the only one true God are really going to start exploring throughout the entirety of the world. He's not uh, found in one temple behind one veil in one place on this earth. That's going to be one of those things that help us as the first century church begins, began to realize all of the things in the past that God has done in order to get the history of man right to this point. And we could spend many an hour speaking of the empires and what they provided, uh, but we just don't have the time and look at Ezra at the same time. So this is after the 70 years of captivity. Ezra's name means help. He is sent by God to help. He's going to be the one who helps establish that worship. He's going to realistically reestablish the law. Because it's been missing in that particular land. This book covers about 78 years of history. And it starts with a Persian named Cyrus. 
that was named about 700 years prior by a fellow by the name of Isaiah. Isaiah says there's going to be this Persian named Cyrus, and he's going to let you go back from captivity. What in the world is Isaiah talking about? Surprise, surprise, the book of Ezra. When you and I look at this book, we're going to look at some men that we may or may not know their names. You'll look at men like Cyrus. You'll look at men like Darius. You'll look at men like Zerubbabel. You may have heard of those names, may not know exactly what they do. A couple of them are foreign kings. Zerubbabel was a uh, governor of the land of Israel. And he's going to lead them back. Zerubbabel, Nehemiah, Esther, or, or Ezra are all going to be key in reestablishing the wall, the religion, and the government back to Israel. But before we get to all of those, we need to stop with Ezra. Now, Ezra, as you and I look at him, sent back... And he is mentioned as being a ready scribe, which tells me something of his job. Tells me that his job is the very unfortunate. You know what I think about Ezra? I bet he had great penmanship. I have terrible penmanship, but I bet you Ezra had great penmanship. Because his job was to be a Xerox machine, a copy machine. We have a very convenient box in the office, and you press a couple of buttons that are not actually really buttons on your computer screen, and this box starts shooting out all sorts of copies of what you just had on your screen. That didn't exist in his day. Well, kind of it did. He was the box. He was the one who was writing out those things. And so as you read him being a ready scribe, what you read about him is this is his job. He, and he is proficient at his job. This may be one of the reasons why he sent back in chapter 7. We find him. We're going to start with verse number 10 here momentarily where Michael so aptly read for us. But what we find about Ezra in those first seven chapters is he was probably really good at his job. And when you and I compare him to the scribes that we find in the New Testament, scribes overall knew what the Word said. Do you know why that is? This is not a trick question. Because they wrote it a bunch. I don't know how you memorize Pick a verse this week, any verse that you don't know. Write it before breakfast and before lunch and before dinner and before you go to bed every day for seven days. See if you can quote it next week. You know why he knew that Bible so well? He had written it. Time after time after time. And he is the guy. God says, you're the guy I need to set up the remembrance of the authority of my word back in Israel. 
And so we find ourselves in chapter 10. Now I have designated chapter 7, verse 10. I know I said chapter 10. I meant to, y'all should read my mind. I meant chapter 7, verse 10. Chapter 7, verse 10 is the key to this book. You see that little key that's there on the screen? Somewhere in every somewhere in every book, look right here, Jonathan, you tell them am I lying or not. You see that? That's a poorly drawn key. Somewhere in every book of the 66, there's a poorly drawn key in the uh, margins of my Bible. And that lets me know that this particular verse is the key of this book. And so tonight, we're going to study the key to this particular book, and it's the key to growth. How did we get to the book of Ezra? Weren't we just in the Judges? Yes, Ezra, Nehemiah, Esther, the post-exile, we dealt with the prophets. All of these things, Ezra, Nehemiah, Esther, uh, are, are out of order. I'm sorry. In, in a chronological sense, they're out of order. So is Job. So are a lot of things. But that's okay. As you and I read through the Bible, we understand where it sort of fits in history. And so, uh, as it's compiled and it's sort of out of order there, that doesn't really ruffle our feathers uh, too much. Let's look how it is that Joshua, or rather Ezra, let's look and see how Ezra reestablished the law in the mind of Israel. Are you ready? We'll do it once again this way. This verse you're going to see. This is the only slide you're... This is the only slide you're going to see all night, so just get ready for it. If you write in your Bible, let's study this particular verse and understand something about it. If you write in your Bible, you can underline the word Ezra as a key here. Ezra prepared his heart to seek the Lord. First of all, Ezra will not stand in judgment for Zerubbabel, or Nehemiah, or Moses, or anyone else. He's going to stand in judgment for Ezra. And unfortunately for him, those men and women who knew the, the law and, the, and those scriptures as well as he did are not going to stand for him. Do you understand what I'm getting at here? If Ezra was not prepared to do these things, then he would have been a failure at his job. He would be a failure as he would stand before the Lord when the Lord would say, Ezra, I sent you to do this job. What are you doing? It was up to Ezra personally to prepare his heart. And if you'll look at that pronoun, his... You know who else's heart he couldn't prepare? Mrs. Ezra and Ezra's kids. Even as much as he wanted to. Even as much as he had the desire to. It is up to every man and woman who is a member of the church and who is a member of God's family during this time to prepare themselves. 
And when I look at Ezra chapter 7 and verse 10, the first thing that pops out to me is it's a personal thing for Ezra. He has to do it. Ezra had to prepare his heart to seek the Lord and to do those things and to teach those judgments in Israel. Notice this. Ezra had to prepare his heart. Does anybody know what the key to learning is? All right, if, you're, don't, if you don't know, write this down. Are you ready? The key to learning is, you have to write it this many times, repetition, repetition, repetition. Now, does anybody know what the key to learning is? All right, just shake or nod, it's okay. If I were to speak for Ezra, some 6,000 years removed, or 4,000 years removed, I bet Ezra would say, boy, I wish God would just pour it into my head and then I'd have had it. How many of us wish even today that God would just uh, screw off the top of our head like a mason jar, pour the information in there and put that lid back on there and we'd just have it? I wish he would do that. As I read through book, the book of 1 Corinthians, and I read chapters 12, 13, and 14, and I read about those spiritual gifts, my, my mouth begins to salivate over the gift of knowledge. Do you know how short my work week would be? You have the gift of knowledge. You don't have to study anything. You just stand up and God tells you what to say. What a great gift that is. Ezra didn't have that. I don't have that. And you don't have that. You and I are going to have to prepare, which means it's going to be a task. Which means there has to be time set aside for it. Ezra had prepared his heart. His biblical heart. Everybody point to your biblical heart. Everybody point to your biblical heart. There you go. With the heart, confession is made unto salvation. With the blood pump or with the mind? Which controls your mouth? Mm -hmm. Ezra prepared his heart to seek the law and to do it through his blood pump or through his mind? Mm-hmm. See, it's necessary here as Ezra looks at his task, and as you and I look at Ezra's task, that Ezra himself has to be prepared, and Ezra has to be prepared. This task is not going to happen without Ezra, and it's not going to happen without Ezra being ready to go. It's interesting that God would write in Ezra 7.10, as he begins this particular verse, Ezra prepared his heart. The first things had to happen first, right? Shake your head this way. Now, what did he prepare his heart to do? He has a task. What's his task? To seek the law of the Lord. First, to seek the law of the Lord for himself and his household. And then, to seek the law of the Lord for Israel itself. We could probably all stand up here 
and regale each other with stories from our life of preachers that we knew who were fantastic men and fantastic preachers. And they were the same person in the pulpit, out of the pulpit, uh, Monday at the coffee shop or Thursday at the, at the tackle supply. And we probably have just as many who we could stand up here and talk about men who were preachers who were not the same when they left the pulpit. Brother Curtis Cates used to say something interesting, and I didn't really get it for a while. That's all right. He said a lot of things I didn't really get for a while. Here's what he said. Some guys ought never to get in a pulpit. Hmm. I got that one. That one was easy. And then he said, some guys ought never get out. Hmm. Why? Because they're different. Because they're not the same kind of person that they were when they were here. They're different kind of people. It is the key for Ezra to teach the, the law in Israel by teaching himself and his family first. You look in the New Testament and tell me how that, that gospel spreads. God has blessed my wife and myself with two children. Now, what are we going to do with them? Am I going to teach them? Is it important to teach them? Shouldn't they know? Uh, they'll probably get it from osmosis. You know, I, I got it, right? That ain't going to happen. Ezra had to prepare his heart to seek the law of the Lord. He had to put that law into his heart. Thy law have I hid in my heart, David write, that I might not sin against thee. Psalm 119, 160. Why did he write that? Why did he write that some 1,500 years before Ezra had this written about him, that he was going to seek that law of the Lord? It was not only Ezra's job to teach his family. Ezra had to teach Israel also. Israel's going, Ezra's going to have to be that example to Israel because they don't really know. Ezra prepared his heart to seek after the law of the Lord. Notice this one. Oh. Now, in mine, I have certain things that, that as you study... Uh, you have different lines underneath all of those. In this particular case, I have one line underneath that whole verse because uh, it's such a good verse. Uh, and then I have taken a colored pencil and I have blocked in and shaded this phrase. And to do it. Now this is the key to the key to the book. You ready? I'm going to put this out here as simply as I possibly can. If you don't get anything else tonight, get this. It doesn't matter. It didn't matter for Ezra, and it doesn't matter for us. How much of God's Word we have stored in our memory if we don't do it. Now, I don't know how 
plainer to put that. The key to the key is not that he prepared himself, it's not that he is seeking after the law, but that he's also doing it. Now that, that that dog right there will hunt. That is the key to living a godly life, period. That's the key. Not only having it in your heart, not only knowing it in your mind, not only being able to recall it at will, but to be able to do it. And see, that's where Ezra is. Ezra prepared his heart to seek the law of the Lord and do it. You know what would never seemingly pass over Ezra's lips? Do as I say not as I do. Because that's, that's not how he lived. Ezra, what would pass over Ezra's lips <coughs> would be this. Do as I say, even how I do it. Follow me. It would be the same as you would read in 1 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse number 1 from Paul who said, Be imitators of me as I am of Christ. Don't throw that last section of Scripture, out and just say, be imitators of me. That's not, what, that's not what Paul said. Can Paul be wrong? We're not talking about writing the Scripture. We're talking about just living in a daily life. Yes, Paul can be wrong. He didn't say, you do everything that I do the way I do it, and, and everything in your life is going to be wonderful. You're going to be able to follow after God. He said, you follow me in the same fashion in which I follow Christ, and then you're going to be okay. Here, Ezra has prepared himself to know what truth is and to do it. How about you? That's not the end of the verse. He's prepared his, his heart to seek and to do. And now, stop right here for just a moment. You see this and and that and? Nowadays in our... Uh, linguistics and vocabulary we would avoid that and we would just we write it this way for Ezra prepared his heart to seek the law of the Lord to do it and to teach uh, in Israel the statutes and judgments and that'd be okay but there's a reason why the Holy Spirit put in these words and 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 He's trying to break that thing up so we can see everything that Ezra did or not run past it. Seek the law of the Lord. Do it. And now teach it. You know what truth is? Shake or nod. You doing it? Shake or nod. Now here comes the hard one. You teaching it to somebody? What does this have to do with me? This is an Ezra. What does it have to do with me? Ezra prepared his heart to seek the law of the Lord, know what truth is, to do those truths, and to teach those truths to those who are going to listen. In, I should have underlined that one, to teach that law of, of the Lord in Israel. 
Why Israel? Because they're God's chosen people, right? Uh, we're going to teach them and nobody else, right? No, that's where he is. If he would have stayed in Babylonian captivity, this would probably have read, Ezra prepared his heart to seek the law of the Lord and to do it, and to teach those in Babylon about the statutes and judgments of the Almighty God. But he is geographically in Israel. That's why he's teaching there. That's why he's teaching there. Notice this. Not just anything. Ezra can't just teach anything. He can't know truth, do truth, and just teach anything. Brethren, you've ever asked yourself this? Why can my friend who has been taught and baptized in a denomination, why can't they just come and automatically be a part of the congregation here at 70 West? You want an answer for that? Because you can't be taught wrong and baptized right. It's going to be inconceivable for Ezra to prepare himself with the truth, doing the truth, and teach those things and teach something that's wrong. He can't do it. Everything in chapter 7, verse 10 about his life is truth, 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 up until we get to the end. And he's teaching Israel just whatever he thought would be good. Statutes. Laws. Rules, regulations. Does God have any rules and regulations in the Old Testament? <laughs> you, bet, you bet your bottom dollar he does. When you go to sacrifice, what you're going to sacrifice. And if you don't have any money, what you're supposed to sacrifice. I was telling our class in here uh, this morning that I would have been a terrible uh, person underneath the Jewish uh, law as an offering of your garden is commanded. I think we've had one garden in our whole life and it didn't produce anything. I can't give God nothing. I got zero fruit out of that garden. I think the, the deer ate all of our, our uh, uh, watermelons we were trying to grow and the pumpkins never grew. I can't offer them anything. But there are regulations for those things. Those are statutes. Those are laws. Those are commands and judgments. What an interesting word. Judgments. That's the very kind and gracious word for consequences. If you do this, God will be happy and bless. <laughs> but if you don't do this, it's going to be a bad day for you. Ezra prepared himself and his heart to know what the truth is of God, to teach that truth to himself and his family, to do that truth as an example out into the public, and to teach that truth where he was for the laws and the consequences.
Ezra is a gospel preacher. And that's, isn't that what happens? Isn't that what we do? We prepare, and then we teach what truth is, and we try to live what truth is, and we try to teach the truth to who's around us about the things that God commands and what's going to happen if we seek them and if we don't. It boils down our job pretty easily, doesn't it? Ezra's a gospel preacher. What about those who are around him? Were they prepared? Hope so. They had every opportunity to be. Just like you and I have every opportunity to be, we even have something that they did not have access to. Not only the entire revealed will of God, but we have all of their history and all of their rules that, and the regulations that they didn't even have copies of individually. Compare yourself to Ezra. Do you know what truth is? Do you seek it out? Do you put that truth and that law into practice? Do you teach that law? Do you teach all of it? No, preacher, I, I teach part of it. The other part sort of shoes people away. They don't like that. Are you better than Ezra? Did God give you some extenuating circumstance where he said you can pick and choose what you want to tell them? Or does that law still come from him? And is he still in control? And is he still in authority? And will he still judge me? Oh, yeah. Do you know the truth about salvation? If you haven't put on Christ, you need to. There's no better time than now. Uh, simply hearing and believing is not going to be enough. Repenting and confessing is not going to be enough. But when you put all of those together with baptism, you have God's plan of salvation for a man who has never accessed it. You have opportunity to be adopted into the family of God. And just as we took a hard look at ourselves this morning, we take one more look at ourselves this evening. Let me ask you this, brother or sister. Would God describe you as a ready scribe? Do you know what truth is? Do you do those things? Do you teach those things? That's what being a faithful child of God entails. That's our duty on this earth. Know truth, do truth, teach truth. You haven't been doing those things, it's time to start. Right now, while we stand and sing for your encouragement. Just now.